Welcome back. Bailey and Harper, we're, we have returned. And we were just talking about hose water. That might not be the most likely <laughs> podcast topic for, you know, people tuning in. You, you probably didn't guess it, but yeah, we're talking about hose water. It's like a staple of, of on, you know, people's on, childhood. Kyle, drinking hose you need water to give, in the summertime. There we go. So what people, for some people, some of us that maybe have not grown up that way, I'm not going to say us, but what is a hose water, Kyle? Do, what, don't you feel bad for people who didn't grow right, up Right, I do feel bad. What That's what I'm saying. Is? Like, you can't just say hose water. You can't uh, you, you gotta explain know. that. Okay, I'll, basically the long and short is, what a topic to start a podcast. Uh, you know, I've been drinking water out of this Yeti of mine, which I, it's the only thing I drink out of, and my, my, my in-laws are in town. Yep. So the in-laws are in town from New Hampshire. The father, Eight days so The father-in-law and I have been uh, killing it, getting stuff done around the house. We put in a new uh, kitchen sink yesterday. Nice. So we put, uh, Mama wanted the new kitchen sink. We got a big single basin. We can bathe the baby in it. You know, all that stuff. So uh, it's a new sink, new pipes, new plumbing. And it's got the hose water taste because it's brand new. But, like, it brings memories rushing back because, again, I feel sorry for kids who weren't out, you know, in the summertime having to drink hose water because they were out playing at the local park in the neighborhood at the baseball field, whatever it was. That's Kids like would never do that now. They just go get bottled water. Do they, man? Like, I, it's crazy, know, huh? It's so strange for me to say I, things like kids nowadays. Yeah, I, but I, then. I own a child. You, and I don't know. I mean, what, what are kids one, nowadays doing? So, so, Kyle, you can't say you own a child. They belong to you. Seems like the same thing to me. No, no, it's a difference. Are you sure? It's a difference. No, I just think it's funny to say that. You like you own, you own a that? car. The car doesn't belong to you. Do you think you own a did, car? Did anybody who just hear that get offended when I say I own a baby now? <laughs> no, I hope not. Somebody out there. If they bound do, to they, be look, they should not be listening to us because they take stuff way too seriously. Absolutely, they, so. they do. Now back to the water hose, the hose water. <laughs> All right, water hose. Drink it from the a, name of this podcast. <laughs> is the, the episode title will be hose water. That's the name not only that. But the worst thing in life is hot hose water. Like all that, yeah. You don't like, drink hot hose but, water but, is like so, torture. Yeah, I mean it's been out there in the sun all day. Yes. But you, that's the only thing, dude. You're freaking just parched. Your mouth is dry because you're playing ball or whatever you've been doing the whole time for yep. a couple hours in the heat. You go over there, you crank it up, dude, and you know it's gonna take a while before the cold water actually runs through the whole hose to get there. And you know sometimes you can't wait. I would I don't I would be sad to know. I would not I'd never catch any of the hose water. You also need to know don't just catch the fresh out of the hose part either. You need to let it come out first and then you drink from it. Oh man. But look, I just I I lament the fact that a generation of kids might not get to experience it the way that we did. And I don't know what it's gonna be like for my twenty nine day old baby. I don't know what it's gonna be like for her, but I will say this. I got big time dad news today. You ready? Uh oh, I'm ready. So what? She'll be a month old on Sunday. And I'm, I'm not sleeping that much, you know, obviously. They're babies. So my wife tells me this morning, first pediatrician appointment without dad. She texts me. She says, the baby gained a pound this week. I don't have to feed her at night anymore. She can sleep through the night. And this baby, I think, will sleep through the night because that's her, like, kind of her nature anyway, meaning I might actually get some sleep starting now. So, I, you know, I feel like a zombie, but in the best possible way. And that's big-time dad news. You know it that. is. It is. So the biggest thing I would take from this, Kyle, as uh, – kind of a veteran dad in this thing you're a vet dad with four kids no doubt and i still got one that's still a young one as well but kyle i would say this i would expect nothing but verily very very happily happily accept everything yes then when it comes to sleep department yep 
before three months. Like anything you get, yeah, you need to try and bank it because you got to sleep when you can. Dude. Well, it's helped having the in-laws in town too. I agree. I because agree. you got Especially extra they, arms, extra yeah. hands to hold the baby. You know, and it, that that part's been awesome, man. And you know, just having a little bit of help on that front. But that's been awesome. The whole experience, man. It's been incredible, and uh, I'm I'm glad that we can talk about it here. I know we got some serious, not serious, but like some other stuff to get into. Um, you wanted to talk about the NFL draft. I did. You wanted to talk about the NFL draft, and I, I do. I do too, because well, uh, we go ahead. Well, where I do, do want to talk about it. But so what? First I, oh, of and, all, and for me, it's just I would only talk about the fact of like when I see people forecast or say, or you know, I I saw all the big buzz now is because Todd McShay came out with some draft whatever point right, right. What was it and two, three, whatever? All right, I don't. And had what? And he had they had. The 49ers yeah. traded up to get a three spot, which yep. is big move. You go up that high, you're getting a quarterback. I don't know which one, but you're going to do something. You're not doing up there to get, you know, Kyle no. Pitts or no. anything. like That's not it. I actually think they still end up with Zach Wilson, but that we can come back to that. Okay. Because I think the guy that we're going to talk about, too, is going to go second over. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you. But Mac Jones, three to San Francisco. is. So I want to know. Mac what, Jones, the three. I, I want to know what, what Alabama bit. legend, SEC network analyst, Roman Harper, actually thinks about Mac Jones. Because the, the, people think that he either is awful uh, I heard somebody on national radio the other day say he has a bad body. Like, dude, we're, like, criticizing the dude's pecs now. But, like, he either sucks, uh, it's insane to them that he's fl- flown up the draft boards, or you're like, this guy, look at his numbers at Alabama. He's accurate. You know, he gets the ball out. He, he, he does. So, so what's, what's the real deal? Is he going to – does he go three? Is he good enough? What do you think? Um, uh, you know, it's so high in – you only saw such a small piece. But, look, Mac balled. Like, you go put on his tape. Kyle, it is impressive. He made all the right decisions. He checks the ball down on time. And, yes, he was a beneficiary of all types of really good players around him at every single level. And, yes, he was just a conductor of that. And, and just saying just doesn't say anything. I mean, they were probably they – the, they're in the conversation of one of the best teams in Alabama's history. Well, of course. I, I was talking about this the other day. Mac Jones set some uh, individual SEC records. Yes, he in did. Passing. Najee Harris, I yes. think, set a record or two. Obviously, Devontae Smith set some records. Like, this was Devontae a Devontae Smith went down as the most decorated college wide receiver, like, maybe ever. So, if it weren't the COVID season, and you and I have talked about it, if it weren't the COVID season, right. this Alabama team would be getting more love as, you know, one of the greatest teams of all time. Even if you don't think that's the case, if that had been a regular season with fans in the stands and so on and so forth. Right, right, right. Now you, I know you've argued they played only SEC SEC team, so it was a more difficult schedule. But, like, the point is, I, he, he doesn't get credit for some of these things in the same way that Joe Burrow did. And I think for Joe sure. Burrow's, like, draft stock and, and the hype around him was obviously amplified by him being a Southeast Ohio kid and Cincinnati having the first pick. But, I, you know, again, I, I rely on guys like you who yep. play the game to tell me, is Mac, when Mac Jones walks into a locker room, does he look the part? Are guys going to say, you know, yeah, that, that's our guy? How, what do you think? You His know, confidence, he does – have confidence and he does have swag. I give him that. Cool. Like he has the ability. He's a very likable person and character that matters when you're looking at older men that have to depend on you to make the right decision at the right time. And I'm not saying, look, if and the thing is, is it's not Max's fault if somebody is not if somebody drafts him at two or three. It's a lot more pressure than being drafted at like 15 yeah. or 18. Of course. Just more comes with it, regardless of that, right? And you also probably go to a worse team. 
So those things matter, knowing that, all right, if you put Mac in, did, would he, did Mac Jones elevate everybody else around him, or was he the beneficiary of everything around him? Well, That's going to be the question that most of these scouts are trying to uh, look at or trying to make the right decision. Because if you look at play for play, uh, ability versus ability between Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, um, I don't know. I mean, when it well, comes to just throwing the football and being efficient at that, he's one of the best that did it so this year. So let me get back Period. to what I, I, So this is what I was talking about earlier. I, I lean on guys like you when it comes to Mac Jones and really, you know, the hard football stuff. But, like, Justin Fields reminded people two days ago just how elite he is athletically. Right. The ball fly, I mean, the, the ball jumps out of his hand in a way so that isn't the case with I, Mac Jones. I was taken back that people have Mac Jones over Justin Fields. And I truly understand why. Uh, Justin Fields is going to be bigger. Yeah. He's going to be faster. Sure. When knowing that today's game, that's kind of what everybody's looking for. <laughs> then he has a – man, when he throws a ball, it looks different. And when you watch the tape, he looks like the best player on the field at times. He cl- he clearly does. He has that type of ability. Yeah. And Mac Clemson, Jones sure is did. athletic enough. That's what I don't – people say, oh, he's not – Mac went out there and ran like a four nine four eight, which is plenty good for a quarterback. All right. He ran like a four seven five. Was I wrong about that? Who Mac? I thought he ran a four seven five. I'll check. Man, who knows? Everything's so unofficial because it's not only electric. They're all beneficiaries of that. Period. Yeah, he is what he is. But he can scramble for eight yards in the NFL. That's that's all you need a quarterback for. Justin Fields can take it like fifty. You know, <laughs> it's a different. I mean, this guy can go. Of course he can. What a four 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 forty for Justin Fields. Yes, and he can. This dude has a rocket arm. He's hitting – he threw that ball against to Chris Lave against Clemson. If he needed to throw that ball, he hit Lave 65 yards, like, in stride. Fields. Yes, he did. The, the and throw I rolling think, out to the left to get thrown against his body? No, that was in the – Oh, I'm the, sorry. You're talking about the game. I'm My talking fault. about real game Yeah, you're throws. talking about that. I'm, I was thinking about like, that throw he made against yeah, his body no, at the pro day. I don't, I don't put that much emphasis in the pro day. You because shouldn't. No. Yeah, Zach Wilson did that roll left throw, right? So then now every quarterback tried to do that this year. I think it's the dumbest thing ever. I appreciate Kyle Trask not doing it because he knows who he is. Right. And just go be – he's nothing less, nothing more. He's exactly who you think Kyle Trask is. So what does that mean? Because I was talking about him yesterday on FNZ on my show, and I was like, I don't know if he's I – think, I, think, I think Kyle Trask can be successful in the NFL because with the right system, he's going to know where everybody is. He's going to know where the ball needs to go. All right, he has, so, has to learn a system. He doesn't need to go there and be the dominant starter. He also needs to make sure he takes care of the football when he gets hit because he is going to get hit. So why is he not, not getting more love? Why is Kyle I mean, Trask not getting more love? It's not like he's not getting love. People know about him. He'll be fine. He'll probably – because quarterback's the most sought-after position. Somebody in the second or third round is going to take a whiff at him. I don't disagree at all. That, that's what, If Will Greer got drafted in the third – Kyle Trask will definitely be able to go in the second round, and nobody can say a thing. Is Kyle Trask better than Kellen Mond? Uh, yes. Because Ke- yes. Kellen Mond is, is yes. getting some love here recently. Yes. I mean, Kellen Mond's athletic. He's got some ability. So you would rather have Kyle Trask? If I'm in the NFL, yes. Okay. No, I, I, because again. Kellen Mond's not that much of a run threat to where he's going – like, he can do that, but that's not his game. He sits in the pocket and tries to make every throw. And I think Kyle Trask is a better doer of that. So, so what then uh, – okay, let me ask you this. Well, actually, 
since we're talking about these quarterbacks, and I brought up Fields for a reason earlier. Uh huh. The the Fields Wilson and and now the uh, rather, oh, and that's the other thing. So the, the the Justin Fields throw against Clemson, he hit Alave for like sixty five yards. He literally probably could have had more juice because he was on fire. All right, he could have threw that ball another ten yards and hit Chris Alave, but they would have ran out of back of the end zone. But still, that's the type of like game action you see. And that stuff for Justin Fields jumps off the tape. Okay. All and, right. And so with Zach Wilson, it's just like, okay, you like that. He made a team that doesn't have a whole bunch of talent competitive. He anticipates throws. He's good. He's quick. He's, he's got some playmaking in him. So all these quarterbacks are different. And then you got Trevor Lawrence, of course. Everybody loves him. No, I'm okay. So Which I think he, just, he, he still has to show me that he's got the ability to win the big game. That's fair. That's fair. What That's about this Dan Orlovsky? Uh, I'm, I'm hearing that Justin Fields is last guy in, first guy out, doesn't have a desire to be great. Um, you know, just the character stuff. This, this came out yesterday, uh, maybe two days ago, but I think yesterday with him and, and Pat McAfee had him on. And, and Orlovsky, to be fair, is a, uh, a Justin Fields supporter, as I understand it. But uh, he was communicating things that he had been told by people in the NFL. A couple things. And I want your take on this because you've been through this process a hell of a lot more than I have. Why now? Why do you not hear this when he's at Ohio State? I've not heard this from fans, local media. Um, and why are you then also not pointing out that, like, Zach Wilson wasn't voted a captain by his own teammates in BYU? I mean, you're the starting quarterback. You're like the darling of this draft up until the last couple of days. Uh, but he's not a captain, right? And there's, there's more stories out there about Zach Wilson not being a great leader, great teammate, you know, some Johnny Manziel type of qualities. And I, I don't know if that's true because I don't know the guy. But, like, here we are, Justin Fields, who was long presumed to be the second-best quarterback in this draft, is suddenly now possibly falling to Carolina at 8. Uh, I've seen some people saying he could fall to New England at 15. How is that kid falling past anybody, given what he just did against Clemson in the college football semifinal? I don't understand it. And, like, again, this is the pre-draft stuff where you're like, where is this coming from? What's the motivation behind it? Is it an agent, a GM, a scout, somebody with an ax to grind? It's strange, the timing of all of it. Man, because they want to knock his draft status. It happens every year. When It's one player every year that gets knocked down, knocked down at this point in time because sure. of – some some rumor or somebody saying something about these young men. It just it stinks that if that is true, then I understand right. that the coaches and things, once the season is over, once people are able to see the players and be around them and and talk to other staff members that actually know how these college kids are, because it has been harder during COVID that you can't be on the campuses of scouts can't go ask the normal communication type things that they do when they literally ask from the lunchroom person who you are as a person to the accountant lady that, that in the ticket office, right? They ask all those people, what do they think about you? The character, they do research on you because they are investing money in you, especially the quarterback. I want my quarterback to be kind of a dork. I don't want my quarterback to have much of a life, but to be loving football, and that's what he does. Like, that's good to me because that means that's all he's going to do. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing because, like, you played with the guy not at that position. Yeah, but. and look, I look, I get it. You can it's, – it's different ways to skin a cat, right, right? Right. It's more than one way to skin a cat. I do know the quarterback position, though, is a grind mentally. Well, sure, and some guys need the, the escape of different parts of life, you know, to, right. to be balanced and settled, to, to perform well. Some guys are just football robots. I mean, you played with Luke Keekley. You know, all that guy did around was, was sitting around tying flies for his fly fishing trips and, and you know, watch film. It didn't have cable. Some, pe some people are wired differently. That whole, you know, is he a football guy thing, it drives me insane sometimes because guys can be great, 
without only caring about football in their lives. And so you, you just you hold people to this standard that isn't who they are sometimes. Peter Burns asked me uh, yesterday, shout out to my boy PB, anytime I can rep- represent, uh, I got to start hitting any kind of like rap songs with my man PB. <laughs> he like picks up on everything. He's like an, he's a rap, R&B rap guy. Right. Yeah, that's all he listens to. I didn't even, he told me that. But anyways. Wow. Okay. Um, he asked me, how, what's the percentage of guys that love football in the NFL? In the locker room, I was like, I love that question. I said, man, I would say around 70, maybe 80 max, 70 to 80 percent probably that sounds love about it. right to me. And then uh, the others, you know, they're big guys that have just been big their whole lives, right? And they're just really good at this, and you make uh, a lot of money, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, what I mean, nobody's told them that they weren't good enough to do it, and right? You know, what I mean, there are far worse ways to make a living, right? Right, so and why not do it? It's also other people, um, you know, that. Um, that don't watch it. They don't care anything about it once they leave this building. Like Gerald they McCoy. Yeah, they, Gerald McCoy struck me as exactly that kind of guy when he was here in Carolina. Really? I would, and I like Gerald. I don't know him personally. I like Gerald, you know, and I don't know him well. I just talked to him in the locker room a few times after games and things like that on the radio, on the show. But, you know, he, I remember there was a post – I forget what game it was, but, you know, there was something he was asked about, uh, you know, another game, another team, you know, something else going on in sports. And I think his, his response was that he, he didn't know he was going to go home and watch some movie. That it, Like, he just struck me as a guy who this was his job. He mm-hmm. was good at it. He probably enjoyed it, but there were yeah. other facets of his life, and he wasn't all football all the time. But he was still really good at what he did. Dude, I, I – look, man, I got one teammate that if you knew – if you knew who he was, you'd be like, dude, you could not have – I would never have guessed him. Ricky Williams, you tell me. I don't know if you know Ricky, but, I mean, Ricky struck me as a guy who was really good at football and didn't mind playing it, probably even had fun on Sundays. But I know, think Ricky loved football. You think so? I do think Ricky I, loved I football. I could never really tell with him. because I, I could, think I could, he loved football. I, I think everything that came with it, I think, stressed him. And he liked to smoke weed. And at the NFL, well, like, once they start popping you, it's just like they – and he couldn't find a happy medium. And, I, also, and then he was younger, too. Yeah. I just think it was a lot. I think – and he had some anxiety issues. Right. Like he should have had some help in some other areas before. You know what I mean? But I think he loved football. And, by I, the way, I'm not criticizing. Ricky was an incredible player to watch. I oh, just, yeah, for sure. And you're right. I think he had some other issues that yeah, you know, yeah, contributed yeah, yeah, yeah. to him, yeah. you know, not giving his all to football. But I also – like, he had kind of – he had a very progressive, outspoken – conviction about weed yeah right? and he sure. didn't feel like he should have to give that up yep you know and and the like the, the holistic medicine that he ended yep. up practicing like he had a deep belief in conviction in those things and in, in a lot of ways i admire him for you know sticking with his conviction some would say it was ridiculous to give up a million dollar football <laughs> i career would say for, that you would say well, okay you would say that you know and i would also probably say that but like i admire you know people with conviction but like that guy he didn't again i think he probably had fun playing football at various times in his life but he wasn't in love with the game of football yeah man i um it's funny, but yes, you are correct. And it's um, but going back to the original was uh, off of Ricky because I you know I love Ricky Williams. Oh. It, it was the he has one of the funniest plays I've ever been a part of. Some of the funniest in my career quotes I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Well, so Kyle, so this guy, it is we're playing Miami Dolphins right, 2009, the 2009 season. Right. First of all, the Miami Dolphins were up on us by like 20. Like, in, like, the first or second quarter. Really? Yes. And we came all the way back and beat them by, like, 20. It was crazy. (laughs) Like, I'm not lying. That's the the first time uh, Drew dunked the ball. He dunked it uh, in Miami, like, after we were making – when we made the comeback. He did a quarterback sneak. That was the first time he ever did, like, the quarterback sneak, like, just put the ball over. And that's what he's infamous for. He does it all the time. I was literally in a game in Carolina, 
and I was telling AJ Klein, I'm like, AJ, look, Drew's going to take the snap and just try and jump right over it. Just go up there and, like, get the ball. I know what he's going to do. And he was like, he's like, no, nah, I don't know, man. I'm like, look, bro, I would go do that, but my man's out here, okay? So I can't go do it. But you need to, like, you're right there. Just be ready to do it. Uh-huh. And he was like, okay, all right. I'm like, I went over the line of my man, and Drew just lived, uh, right there. I'm like, bro, I literally just told you that. I know. What do you think I don't know? I was so angry, right? So angry. And then, so that has nothing to do with the story. It's okay. But Ricky Williams on the fat, the, one of the best plays ever. So I'm playing down, right? So I'm, uh, I'm like on the opposite side. And Tracy Porter is the corner. And my man Darren Sharper was coming in as a high safety. So the wide receiver cracks Sharp. So he comes in, blocks him. And Tracy Porter is supposed to replace, right? Ricky Williams gets a crack toss. Boom. And nobody touches him. This sucker's rolling downhill 100 miles now. He's like at full speed at like 12 yards. So Tracy sees him. The receiver hits Sharp. Sharp really didn't try that hard to, to like get – he thought Tracy had him, and he kind of relaxed. And, I mean, Ricky was moving. So then Tracy Porter sees him and, like, dives into the receiver, pretending to dive at Ricky Williams. It was the funniest, worst effort I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and we joke at him about it to this day because he knows it, bro. And nobody said a word. I mean, we weren't mad. It was just kind of funny because nobody touched him. He had an 80-yard run, and nobody literally touched him until I touched his back, like, a yard and a half into the end zone, just, like, as a t- back tap, like, man, good job. Like, like <laughs> just as so somebody could touch him. Like, it was like, bro, nobody touched him for 80 yards. It was one of the funniest he plays ever. He was special, man. He you was. Know, you know who else was special? And I know you know this. You didn't play against him. But uh, Bo Jackson. I saw somebody. And AJ, pl- I still love you, bro, but I was angry. It sounds like you were angry. I was. I was very angry. I, I watched a, a highlight. Uh, co- I guess it was a compilation of highlights of Bo, Bo Jackson the other night. And I'm talking about trucking people and, and, and like, shedding seven tackles, you know, yeah, for man. a 90-yard run. I mean, Bo Jackson was otherworldly as an athlete and as a running back in the NFL. And that was a, obviously a different day and age when that was that, that position was still the most valuable position on offense. Or, you know, that's – Well, he was a big, powerful, strong, fast – Oh, my God. Um, he w- running I mean, back and athlete. He's is there a, any doubt he's a Hall of Famer if he stays healthy? Uh, on the track that he was, no. No, I mean, I don't doubt – that's was, – was that no. – I mean, that you were – you grew up closer to Auburn than Alabama. And, and out, when you well, you got to think about it, man. Bo had his own shoe, like, very early. He was going to be up there. Yeah. Because it was him, Wayne Gretzky, and Michael Jordan on the one cartoon. But with Nike, it was Jordan and Bo. Yeah. Like, Bo was a big deal. Huge deal. Huge deal. I mean, so, you, it's not that frequent throughout history that an athlete. Dion was another guy. That Dion I was another one. Yeah. But, but, you know, Dion got to play out his career. It's not that common yeah, throughout history that an athlete has his career cut short, isn't a Hall of Famer in his case, in either sport that he was in, uh, and is still talked about and revered in, in like, this, uh, you know, mythical way. Yeah, he really is. That's a great point, You know what I mean? Yeah, he does. When you say Bo Jackson, even, like, people, the the kids, Gen Z, they know at least who Bo Jackson is. They've at least seen probably something of Bo Jackson because when you take one look at that guy, you know, running through the 49ers defense and and breaking eight tackles, I mean, it was a 90-yard run last night. You realize that guy, he was a man out there on the field. Well, he was so fast, too, Kyle. He was, like – Incredible. Yeah, incredible speed. Incredible, man. Incredible speed. I mean, he's from Alabama, so – Everybody grew and he's up. He's a country I, boy I got too. to meet him when I was a little kid. I got a picture. My mom and them have a picture of it back home. 
And uh, it was like the coolest thing ever when I got to meet Bo Jackson. My mom took us out to some little hunting thing or some little thing that he had. I was just really cool. I was just happy I got his autograph that day. Oh, yeah. No, and, I, uh, I was a big Bo Jackson fan. He went to Auburn. I mean, I don't hate on him for well, that. But he was a legend where you grew up. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. Every, everybody. Right yeah, it was Right incredible. around like McAdory. So I want to get to something here. And I, I know we wanted to uh, we've got to draft him. But I wanted to get to this, too, because. Well, what th- do you think, Kyle? So is Carolina do it? If Justin Fields ends up falling. Right. And do you what do you think uh, is San Francisco trading up for Mac Jones? Let's not just skip. over. Well, that. I mean, I, I don't want know your man. opinion as well. I, did you see Kyle Shanahan's face at the pro day on Tuesday when uh, when Mac had that? He had a couple of bad overthrows early in the in the pro day and he settled down after that. But he had a couple of bad overthrows and both Kyle Shanahan and Bill Belichick were caught on camera doing what looked like or like giving what looked like sort of negative reactions to the overthrows. Now, Belichick's could have been something else, and, and so could Shanahan's, but I think Shanahan's was a little clearer where when they, they – it was like a deep seam route, and, and Mac Jones overthrew the receiver by about five yards. Yeah, and Shanahan but, had so, like this, this like absolutely perplexed look on his face when it happened. And so I, I don't know, man. So, like, yeah, so I would say this, Kyle, and I'm just going to be honest. I, I didn't learn anything that I didn't already know about Mac Jones from a pro day. So here's the thing. And, I agree so, with you. So, but then why, are they, why do these coaches go out of their way to attend them? Because you want to see it. You want to see it. And so what you see right there, look, I don't care about a little bit of an overthrow, especially if it has good arc. And where is he missing it at? If he's missing it high and outside where only the receiver can get it, that's a good throw for me. That's going to work in the league because I got really good receivers that's going to track that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, like, I get it. And, and it's probably going to be faster than that. So, And you don't care about – and who's he throwing it to? Those are some other things. He didn't miss any throw to Devontae Smith. I know that. So, here, you want me to answer – That's important to me. So, you if want I'm my If I'm a scout answer? and I'm there, yes. It, it, what, what I think actually will end up happening, and I could be dead wrong about this, I think after all the bullshit, after all of the Justin Fields, you yeah. know, running him down, Zach Wilson's the sender – I think when it's all said and done, Justin Fields will end up going still second to the Jets. Boom! Look at that. I do. I mean, I, I think I, I, there's a part of me because you got to remember too, and I, this I love it. So you got Kyle Shanahan in, in San Francisco and his former DC, now the head coach of the Jets, Robert Sala. You know, I'm not saying that you know there are conversations happening necessarily, but like, I, there's no way that for me personally that I'm I'm going. Kyle, to go, I love your ending way better than what's going on. I, I love just, that. I, I'm going against the grain here. I think that's what's going to happen. I love that. I think it's going Lawrence Fields Wilson to San Francisco. Oh. That's what I think. And then the I wild cards it. Atlanta at four because what do they do? They do they do they draft a quarterback the heir apparent to Matt Ryan and sit him next year, or do they think they can address that next off season and either take Kyle Pitts out of no, Florida? No, I would love if I, if I'm Atlanta, bro. You, I, I would put. Kyle Pitts and his name in right see, now. See, we're, we're in Charlotte, man. You, you played for the Panthers. You can't say that. I, dude. You want to see the Falcons get better? You want to see the Falcons land that freak? I, I, like, I like the GM, okay? Terry right. Fontenot, I'm fine, cheering for fine, him. Fine, fine, He's All a I'm former saying New Orleans is, Saints guy. I love Terry Fontenot. That man ran a 4-4-4-40 at 6 First of all, pounds. he probably – in Indianapolis, he probably runs – First of all, I'm glad he got a good good time. And I just want to say everybody, everybody that's being timed for 40 this year should be very happy and a lucky because you're not running in Indianapolis where okay, it's electronic. Fine. But everybody's even hand if he time. Ran a four or five. I agree. Even so, if he ran what did so, you run against? So there we go. So I'm glad what you, you said it. Because I didn't want to hate. I didn't want to be a hater. What did I'm you glad run? you said it. What did you run? Oh what? I first of all, I didn't I didn't run in Indianapolis. Oh, I know that. What did you run at your pro day? So I got clocked under that, but they moved my time up. So 
I don't. You look it up. Kyle. I was a four or five flat. Four or five flat. Yes. So is there a part of you that's just upset that a tight end might be a little bit faster? No, because that's happened before. I've played against him. Fair enough. But yeah. my, my serious question is, like, he, he, we already know, like you keep saying, look at the tape. Like, don't worry about pro days and 40 times look at the tape. Well, we already know he's a freakishly athletic, oh. gifted And he's going to be better in the NFL because, let me tell you this, because if he, um, if he is able to – like, make all those plays in college where the DBs and linebackers and safeties right. were, like, holding him and grabbing him, like, the whole time. Yeah. They, he's not, they're not going to be able to do that in the NFL. You can do things with him that wide receivers can do. You can make things very difficult on opposing defenses. Oh, look, I'm just saying. The NFL is lucky he ain't going to New Orleans with Sean Payton. I'm it, telling you. Yeah. They're lucky. Did you see what Greg Olson said? He would be Jimmy Graham. Like 3.0. Yes. Did you see what, uh, what Greg Olson said? No, what he said. Greg Olson uh, on Twitter, he, he quote tweeted the, uh, the video of Kyle Pitts running a 40. And he pointed out, like we did, that he ran that 4-4-4 and he came a little wobbly out of the block. Oh, too. I he, said that. The first, I said sideways. that. I said, bro, he didn't even run straight. So, I mean, I think he's a legit 4-4. I mean, I, I really do. But it, yeah, doesn't, but it then, doesn't matter. It really doesn't yeah, matter. It doesn't. But the it point doesn't. is, like Greg was like, you know, all the elite, I think he said all the elite teams in the NFL or the last four Super Bowl contenders, whatever it was, all feature the tight end. And he said, this guy's special. He's the next in line is what Greg Olson said. He, I, to me, I don't know how this kid is at least not a very good player in the NFL. Oh, dude, He's got to be the best non-quarterback prospect in this draft. I think he has to be. I think he's the best player in this draft. The best player in the draft. Him, and I want to see the kid from Oregon, the O-lineman. They said the O-lineman's a monster, too. Okay. All right. No, I hear you. I, I just – I'm not But, I'm of not course, you got the quarterbacks, the quarterbacks. But I was definitely being – No, no, no. I get it, man. Like, Trevor – you know, I, Look, man, Kyle Pitts is legit, bro. And he puts effort in blocking, which I'm like, bro, if, this, if anybody even during this pro day asked Kyle Pitts to block, I'm going to go over there and slap him. <laughs> well, he I'm can block. Go. That's the thing. He can yeah, block. Yeah, I know, but don't even ask him because you're not drafting him for well, that. Well, sure, but I'm just saying the fact that he can he lets you do even more things offensively when you need to. Yeah, well, you just – one thing that you don't have to worry about, he puts in effort. Right, he's not a liability at the very he, least. I mean, blocking some college guys. I mean, he's no going to give you effort. He's got a good it, foundation it, going to the NFL. Right. I mean, because, like, NFL D linemen are total different than – I tell people all the time. <laughs> like, you know, all my buddies – Totally different. You know, like, guys who haven't seen it or been around it, you know, that'll make jokes about offensive line or defensive line are like, listen to me. You want to see a bully – Those are the last dudes that you want to, yeah. you know, pick a fight with yes. because they're all 300 pounds and they all run, like, four seven forties and they will yes. destroy you. Like yeah. Some of the best D linemen – Dude, when you want to say a bully yeah. on the NFL, they will bully a tight end real quick. Yeah. When the tight end tries to block a Some good of the best ones loved it. Yeah, yeah they go oh, out of their way to do it. They would put hands on these guys. I mean, but but then you got some really good blocking tight ends, too. So anyway. So, I know I want to get to something real quick, not NFL draft related. But because, hold on, hold on. Okay, because fine, i got to give Kyle thing. Pitts one more, one more little bit of love. 83-inch arms? Well, right. Okay, let's finish the thought here. Because if he's the best, not, if he's the best prospect or just the best non-quarterback prospect – it's like the whole, uh, you know, we like what's new. I like Pat Sertan, too. We're all caught up in what's new, right? We right. all get prisoner of the moment syndrome sometimes. No so, you know, it was Zach Wilson. It's Mac Jones now. It was Trey Lance for a while. But the best quarterback prospect in this draft is the one that's least talked about right now, and that's Trevor Lawrence. You know, so we just pay attention to the new things. And we, if you were paying attention, you knew Kyle Pitts was arguably the best offensive weapon, you know, when the season started last year coming into the draft. And if you didn't know it by the end of the year, you just weren't watching college football. So, you know, no one should be shocked that all of us, hey, my God, have you seen this Pitts kid? Yeah, all last year in the SEC. You know, wreaking havoc. I on watched them all year. And 
He's the reason Kyle Trask looks so good this year. Right, exactly. He is. And when and that's also he just being that's another thing with Kyle Trask, why people aren't talking about him is because his last bowl game. Yeah. He decided to play when all his other team and players didn't. Uh-huh. And he did not look good. Yeah. So you're like, uh, well, is he ah. And then, you know, it was so that was another knock on him because he because he is such a throw of the football and he did not and he can't create. So um, that's just kind of finishing off that whole. No, no, hundred percent correct. I, I wrap it up with a bow. I, I do want to get to this though, just because we could go on the draft all day. We could. But uh, Roy Williams retired today. So I didn't even know that too. I was at my daughter's grandparents' day thing, and um, some oh, friends of ours told us. I, 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 was, I was 18 minutes into my radio show this morning. <laughs> had a whole, you know, show mapped out, things to talk about, Justin Fields, right? And all, and all of a sudden, I look down and I see Roy Williams is retiring. And my first thought was, bullshit! It's April Fool's Day. You know, so oh, yeah. right, and and you know they got the press conference is coming this afternoon, and so I was like, nah, man, that's that can't be, that's go- no. I mean, I, it's not that it was unthinkable because he's seventy, and they've had two bad seasons in a row. He's got pl- players leaving, transferring, going to the NBA. Yeah, they're not getting the same type of guys. But, like I think but a lot of people. Think, I don't think he had pressure from North Carolina though. What? No, they, they put out a press release. I uh, know. I don't. I'm talking about. I don't think they like pressured him to leave oh no I, yeah. I don't believe that for a second no. I really don't he, he's earned that he yeah. earned the right to walk out on his own terms a long time ago for sure at least in my opinion some yeah. some people will disagree with that but I think well, he did. people disagree with the wall so but you know it's it's Roy Williams retiring and we're I don't we have listeners as we've seen from all over the country and the world but we're here in North Carolina so when Roy Williams retires that's a big big deal that's big in college. And so I'm 18 period. minutes into the show and I see it and I'm like, wait a minute, April Fool's Day, am I about to get had? But then John Rothstein, Jeff Goodman, you see the press release, like, no, this this is real. Roy Williams is retiring. And like we're seeing, I think, the start of the and we've seen some already, but like the start of the exit of the the legendary college basketball coaches from the game. You know, Coach Shashevsky's not that far away from doing the same thing. Um, I wouldn't have been surprised if he did it this offseason. I don't think he will now that Roy just did it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that uh, he's in line. He's going to retire. You know, we're seeing like that old guard. Some of the great coaches. Jim Beheim is, is not going to be around for too much longer up in Syracuse. Uh, but Roy, yeah, man. Great little, great little man. They made some magic in the, in the tourney, though. But, yeah, they did. But you got you, – you the, the best job in America came open today. It did. I, I, First time I mean, in 18 years. Best job in America. You, so you agree it's going to be that, highly right? sought after. Um, you agree with that. Best job in America. I don't I didn't know, go to man. North Carolina. I have no dog in the fight. I just think that's the best job in America. You do. Without I, question. I, I mean, it's going to come with a lot of pressure. The greatest basketball player of all time is your, your most visible donor and booster. You know, you, you've pumped out uh, decades of NBA talent. You got banners. You got the Dean Dome. You got two of the greatest coaches of all time. I mean, I think, I think when Smith. you go there, you know you're going to have anything and everything that you want. There's Absolutely. nothing that you can't have. No question. Like, I, but it's going to come. But you got to win and – you also got to see where this program's at. So uh, they got to get the right one, right? Like, uh, well, that's the big question. Even good. That's the big question because in in North you Carolina, gotta you got to get the right one in North Carolina because you know that's this program's always kept it in the family. Yeah, right. They keep it has it in the family. Well, that's how. Well, they've been fortunate enough to be able to do that. Right, but they went from you know the Dean to Bill Guthridge, Matt Darty, Roy Williams. This has been a keep it in the family program for a long, long time. And Hubert Damn, Davis. I never thought about that. Well, yeah, Hubert Davis on the bench there. He played at North Carolina. He's been a longtime assistant. Uh, you know, one of the great shooters in NBA history. Yes, it's true. If you're going to keep it in the family, it's Hubert Davis, uh, Steve Robinson, Wes Miller down at UNC Greensboro, really good young head coach. But Are they going to go like black coach? 
Possible. Well, yeah. I mean, you got two very good black head coaching candidates right there in the program. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, I I think that's ultimately the direction they will end up going. But I mean, here we are recording this, and I could be wrong in 45 minutes. You know, <laughs> they could be calling up to Boston to to offer Brad Stevens. You know, or they could be calling down to Alabama to offer Nate Oates. Whoa, the job. whoa, 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 uh, whoa! Like we just re-signed him. I know you. We don't just like extended that. him. Well, yeah. I, I met Nate you know when that he first came on campus. Thing. That doesn't mean a damn thing. You're right. I yep. mean, it doesn't. It doesn't mean a damn thing. But like, we'll I, I would think, I'm, for, I mean, and he's done well. To, I mean, he came here, he did well, but Al, he also benefited on the players at Alabama already being there. So, yeah, I would love to see how he continues to build out the program um, with his recruiting and how the, he's doing it. I want to see him do more for Alabama. But anyways, but if North Carolina all of a sudden wants to take him from us, I guess we'll have to adjust because I know what it's like to be. Uh, one of the bigger programs when it comes to football side of it, and that's what North Carolina is in basketball. So I, I get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. When Alabama comes knocking in football side, it's, it's different. And, again, I know that if there, there, there may be a Kentucky fan or a Kansas fan or a Duke fan that hears me. I, I, sorry. I'm just – it is what it is. I Look, I like North Carolina. I like Jordan Brand. I like the colors. And, like, they're known for basketball. It's That's iconic, what they do. Right? And, and Duke's iconic. So is Kansas. So is UCLA, right? John Wooden, Bill Walton, you know, all of it. I get it. I mean, it's different. Blue I mean, it's really five old. Five Blue Blood programs. You're one of them. I just yeah, think, I, I just, agree. I just happen to think that Carolina is the, the preeminent job in college basketball. And the truth is, you know, Matt Daugherty, who you and I have had on the podcast, and Matt is with me in studio every Thursday, uh, we talked about it today. I mean, what a day to have Coach Daugherty in oh, with yeah. that news breaking. Oh, yeah, about that. And he's like he's so interesting because you know, like we had the p- conversation with him on the podcast. He's all about leadership. His, his exit from North Carolina was wasn't, painful. Yeah, I was it like, was it wasn't good. It wasn't. It was, wasn't a, it was embarrassing. Think, yeah, I don't think it was a good experience. He no, had to get through that. Of course, he, had to really and, take and he some writes time to work about it in the that. book, man. Like it strained his relationship yeah. with Roy Williams. Uh, he was an assistant for Roy at Kansas before he took the Notre Dame job. So now th- I talked to Matt about it, and Matt was like, "Look, nobody's ready for this job." He said, the truth is, I agree. He's like, we, you can pick apart Wes Miller. You know, you, they, Jerry Stackhouse came up. Jerry's a head coach in Vanderbilt now. Yeah. They haven't gotten off to a great start under Jerry. Um, no. I don't think they'll go that direction. But the truth is, like he said, nobody's really ready for the, the best job in America. So I, I think they'll probably end up going in house. I also think, again, this is a larger trend of not just the exit of legendary coaches in college basketball, but I think you're seeing big time college basketball coaches, not all, but a lot of them looking at where the, the, the sport's headed and where the NCAA is headed because the NCAA is back in front of the Supreme Court for the first time in 37 years. Mm-hmm. And you've seen already coaches getting out. Billy Donovan went to the NBA. Brad Stevens went to the NBA. John Beeline tried his hand at the NBA. Um, you know, there are more, and we're going to see more because I think there are a lot of coaches who don't want to – maybe don't, don't always don't want to, but might not necessarily want to deal with the transfer portal and all of the, the roster changes and, you know, already having to recruit – 10 months out of the year, 11 months out of the year, and now that just got that much more intense. You know what I mean? No, I do. I, um, I, I, just, I just hope they're ready for it because I feel like you're dealing with a different person when you go to the NFL. It's more grown men. It's, it's a total different yeah. mind shift yeah. versus what you are able to accomplish in college when it's still your way. It's 100% your way because it's your program. And um, the transfer portal, I think that that's just not going anywhere. I think that's just what it is. I think the biggest thing is you need to learn. If you're a coach, as much as you want to complain about things, the best way to, to do it is continue to be forward thinking. You can't get stuck in your ways. No, young kids or young people are no longer going to sit by the wayside and, and think that your way is the only way. 
and that's just who it is. That's who, that's how they're growing up. That's how people are encouraging them to be. And so you're not going to be able to just have people, kids are going to get mad and they want to have an opportunity to leave. The college is going to allow that to happen. You need to use it as a weapon. You need to make sure you are hip to who is in the transfer portal and always trying to recruit out of it. I think you have to add that to your game. You can't sit up here and complain about it because it ain't going nowhere. And then you, because you go to the NBA, you got to deal with free agency and being a small team in a small market where you can't hold on to players. And then you got big markets. So it's still, you're still dealing with players leaving. Yeah. Period. Well, see, I, I think we've, I think there's too much transferring going on in college athletics, but I'm not saying that in a way that I believe that it should be stopped. I'm not saying that, you know, they should shut down the transfer portal because yeah. I, I am for freedom of movement. And I don't think that, you know, we've seen anything close to equity in terms of, you know, players getting more as sports have grown versus coaches and administrators getting more. So I look, I want to see players have full rights to their own name, image, and likeness. It sounds so stupid to say out loud that it's not already the case. Yeah. Nobody else should be able to profit off of you, and you I heard, can't. I heard some of the things that were going on over the Supreme Court case with it. And, oh, I mean, seen some of the quotes from these justices? Yeah. A cause, conservative cause, Supreme Court is going after the NCAA. What does that tell you about the NCAA? Oh, they were, they're like a dinosaur, bro. You, they, they are stuck in the mud right here, and the argument that they're trying to make no longer exists. It no longer exists. So you're going to have to draw it up. And spe- the thing was, they should already have this stuff, their ducks in a line for this. The, the fact that they've been trying to hold on to this amateurism quote or tag has been ridiculous for way too long. And I, I just think if you would have just gave them money early, like two years ago, if you would have just given them more scholarship money, some college coaches, I don't care, put it in a pool, split it. It don't matter. Give them something. Not not a $3,500 right, stipend right. for cost of living. Something. Well, like, one coach take one less million dollars, so you can give that to every athlete on campus, and I bet you they would have been like, yes, of course, I'll take it. If the, That's all you had to do, Kyle, if the worst and they thing wouldn't happens, do it. If the worst thing that happens that comes out of this is just that the players have you know NIL rights, that is a massive win. Now, you know, the Jay Billises of the world, lots of other people feel like the players should be getting paid. They I deserve, think, it, I they think so many other of, sports will make so much more money because well, they have the ability quick, to. I, I think there's, there is something that's problematic about this. And I'm not saying it can't be solved. I'm just saying nobody's presented me with a clear solution to it. Mm-hmm. They, uh, I forget who it was, did a survey of 394 athletics directors around the country. And this came out this morning or yesterday. Um, and it was a, a range of topics about NIL, NCAA legislation, all of this. My biggest thing is you got to educate them. Well, the 94%, 94% of those ADs that were surveyed said they, they have real doubts that they can stay in compliance with Title IX if you know, players are given a share of the revenue. And I, again, this is not me I'm, saying it's not possible. I'm saying Title IX is a problem in a lot of this. You know, because, and, and when I say problem, I mean... I don't think anybody has the solution to figure this out right now on hand. So I don't think the I don't think the I don't think I don't think the the kids should get part of the revenue. I don't. I don't think that. I, I think I think I think co- opinion, if they're going to be paid like payroll employees, if they want to be name, image, likeness, if that's what they want to give, that's what it's fighting for. I'm totally up to that. Right. I just think they should either give more in scholarship checks. Yes, yes. That yes. was the thing that I initially wanted them to do. Now the. The boxes, Pandora's box is open, all right? Because they're going all the Supreme Court. They're going to lose. And then you're going to have at least, the kids will at least be able to get name, image, likeness. And that's fine, too. I just think that, I don't think it will kill other sports because what does it have to do with you? If I'm making money off my own self that has nothing to do with this university, I'm sponsored, I can do whatever I want off of my name that I've made here, all right? Then 
what does that matter with the that well, I have nothing to do with your bottom line. The biggest thing that I want to call on these universities to do is make sure that they educate these kids. You need to be your own LLC. You need to make sure you buy your own website, the name on your thing. All these other things, educate these young men and women about, all right, your taxes that must be done. Some other things that are actually cost efficient with running your business, which is you. As you grow your own brand, because you have the ability to do it on social media, on right. YouTube channels, those are the things that I think are where the real money makers and opportunities for these young people are. And we're getting so caught up with the university with this and this and trying to be so stringent when the whole thing is you're trying to hold capitalism back in a capitalistic country while you're being capitalist. Well, that's the other thing. Somebody said to me yesterday, they were like, you know what, man, this is uh yeah, it was a listener texted and said, KB, this and is a waste. And some of these people are worth more now than they ever will be in their life. Well, the guy said, KB, this is a waste of taxpayer dollars. You know, Congress and, and the Supreme Court should have uh, better things to do than this. And I said, you know, 99% of the time, I would agree with that sentiment. You know, Congress wasted a lot of time on the Mitchell Report with baseball. I yeah. could keep going down a list of things that they really didn't, all, didn't accomplish and, and had no business wasting time on. But this is one that needs to be resolved, settled, and, and fixed almost immediately because of what, are, what you just said. If you believe in capitalism, and, and this is just simply what I'm if you I'm asking the question, I'm, you think about it. Yeah. But if you believe in capitalism, what is less capitalistic than capping wages and telling people who are putting in work that they can't be compensated for said work? And not only that, they can't use their name, image and likeness to make money on, on their own back, their own extra work elsewhere. Potentially. I see my jersey hanging in a, in a store. So and I, I ain't getting nothing. So I, I, me, young me, I could come to you when you were still with the Panthers or the Saints, get your autograph, sell it on eBay, make a profit. But you, I'm sorry, when you were at Alabama, but if you had done the same thing, you'd lose a year of eligibility. It, it According is, to it, the it, rules. It is unfathomable that people still in this day and age, you know, believe that amateurism is, is some noble concept that needs to be <laughs> preserved. It's st you know this. It started back in in England, right? You know, b back in the days where I heard the, that on the, your show, the working masses, you know, they, they, the, the the elites didn't want their kids competing against the working masses, and poor kids had to work. Families didn't have anything, so poor kids couldn't focus on sports, but rich kids could. You know, and amateurism was a way to keep you know the elites from having to mix with the unwashed masses. Oh and yeah, they were playing the amateur. Began. You know, so I'm not saying there's nothing good that comes from college athletics. Of course, there are too much. Too often, this conversation becomes entirely negative about college athletics. There's a lot of redeeming qualities and aspects of college athletics. Getting a scholarship to go be a four-year athlete, you know, and, and get a free education if you can also attain a quality education while you're doing it, that's not a bad deal at all. But it also doesn't mean that the Zion Williamsons of the world uh, and, and the stars in these sports don't bring more value to their programs than their teammates do and then has previously been the case back when sports and college sports were just something we watched once a week on CBS on Saturdays. Mm -hmm. Now we have round-the-clock networks. We have billion-dollar TV deals. You know, we have Nike sponsorships with teams. We've had that for all. We have revenue coming in from everywhere, and these players get no part of it. So even if you don't think they should be paid like payroll employees, at the very least they should be able to make their own money when presented to them. I've told the story of my brother, professional baseball player, drafted by the A's. If he had been able to give pitching lessons for $25 an hour in college, Right. He wouldn't have had to be a broke college kid. And, you know, just like those kind of things. That's what I'm saying. That's why I think there's so many opportunities, Kyle, for so many other sports is like they have the ability to be like, go out there, just do a, a weekend camp, put some people together. like that ability is like you couldn't do that. That was not allowed. What, Trevor, not allowed. And not only that, but 
when you have some Olympic sports at some schools that can make money as sponsors and blah, blah, blah. Sure. And the, only, and the sports that can't are majority dominated by African-American people. That's another frustrating part of this whole conversation. Well, of course Kyle. it is. And, and that's the part that, to me, I'm a little bit more sensitive to understandably. Well, sure. And, and again, when you have that conversation, it sometimes devolves into, yeah, but there are a lot of white athletes, Asian it athletes. It is, it is. And there are. We're yeah, talk- and they're, they're we're, on the boat with me. Right. We're, we're talking about applying an equal treatment to all of them, but yes. we're also acknowledging the fact that especially the two most – uh, the, the two money-making the sports. The big money-making sports. Men's yes. football and basketball, are <laughs> the, the rosters are primarily dominated by African-American players. Yes. And, and so, like, why, why can't we acknowledge that while also saying, hey, yeah, the Asian <laughs> guys and the white guys get all the same perks too. Yes. You know, and the ladies, you know, if, if you're able – that it, it needs to be applied across the board, man. And this is – like, watching this NCAA stuff is crazy. Like, the NCAA attorney had the audacity to suggest that if this were to happen, they worry that student-athletes would worry more about their athletics than their academics. Well, you know, uh, it seems to me that it's been well known for a while that a lot of these athletes, these big time programs are shepherded into majors and athletics or excuse me, academic programs that just allow them to stay academically eligible or just to be available for practice. Okay, (laughs) so uh, let's not pretend as if you're going out of your way to ensure that each and every one of these student athletes gets a a world class education. Okay, (laughs) we all know what's happened at North Carolina, Oklahoma State, uh, Ohio State, schools around the country. You know, my own alma mater. I, would, I took a rocks for jocks class. I saw the entire defense in there. You know, and, and so, again, we know what you're doing here. So, like, the, the, I got to get them hours in, Kyle. So when you see, again, One of my like favorite a mostly classes conservative Supreme Court, you know, people, a lot of them assume, well, he's, you know, it's a conservative Supreme Court. They're going to side with the NCAA. Nope. You, you got Kavanaugh and It and didn't Thomas sound like it early. And, I'm just telling you. <laughs> It I didn't mean, sound like they're it. getting into him, you know, yeah. asking him questions like Clarence Thomas, you know, waking up on the bench like, you know what? It's, you know, so it why, waking have, up. Why, why have coaching salaries ballooned, you know, in the last uh, couple of decades? But, uh, you know, players haven't really gotten very much. Like, whoa, Clarence Thomas. So isn't it like That's an astute observation, so you, there's sir. no cameras in Supreme Court cases, right? I mean, not that like, I know of. I've never gone out of my way to watch one. I don't think there is. Maybe anyway. C-SPAN has it. I don't know. Not, maybe. I don't know. Maybe C-SPAN airs Supreme Court here. I mean, I, you can. I'm sure. I, I mean, you, you, you can mostly, only look up the records and from the records. Right. You mostly end up reading their opinions from the bench and seeing right. what the, the vote count was. <laughs> that, yeah. That's, that's all. But you're right, though. No, they don't ever speak. But, yes, even Clarence. I mean, I'm looking forward to the, in the, the, the what happens from this. And I'm glad that I have the opportunity to cover football as this starts to take place. Uh, oh, it's in, a big deal. Yeah, it's a, it's in, a really in, in our deal. country. It, it's just been um, – it's going to be a really cool deal. I want to see how it plays out. But for me, I think NCAA is going to lose this, and it's archaic at this point. They should already be forward-thinking. I hate when they're not forward-thinking people. So glad I saw this because I, I know we got to get out of here. I got Hornets pre and post tonight. We got the Nets. He's national back, people. He's national back. National TV, baby. There we go. I'm back. Hornets pre and post. I mean, it would have been better with Melo, but yeah. Yes, well, of course. But Scary Terry's still balling, though. Terry Rozier's a monster. Scary Gordon Hayward played well. Nets tonight, so I got pre and post, so I got to get out of here soon. But – Remember last time we talked and I was like, I'm just so disappointed, you know, in America, our infrastructure, not having a rail system, you know, all the things like people don't realize here in America that haven't traveled abroad, you know, just how much stuff some other countries have and how much their technologies evolved in a way that ours hasn't, you know, at least in a way that touches the, the regular person. So not like, only that, but our our public transport system is almost frowned upon in America. Where in other countries, it's like just the way you get around. Yeah. Like if you've seen airports in Japan. You know that we don't have the nicest airports in the world. Exactly. So check this out. So yesterday, Amtrak drops a new map, 
And I see it on Twitter. And, of course, I'm a maps guy, right? You, know, you are a maps guy. That's what I went guy. to school for. So I click the map. Like, what's this about? You know, I was just talking about infrastructure and rail services. Amtrak has this 2035 vision for America. And they, they published a map of where they want a rail system to run across, you know, the contiguous 48 states. That is across awesome. I think, I think South Dakota was the only state that had no, no rail service. But Man, anyway. that's my wife's home state. I can't talk about it. So like, I love it. Here's the thing. Amtrak is kind of outdated. Um, it was created by Congress. You know, it's not high-speed light rail is the way to go. You know, we need to be developing better technology than what we've traditionally known Amtrak to be. Maybe Amtrak has bigger plans. I'm not that well-versed in it, but I do know that it's a good step in the right direction. And also, I've never seen my tiny little hometown on a map in font that big, right? <laughs> so I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm, I stopped. You know, I'm from like southwestern Virginia down in the corner of mountains, like in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains and grew up in the valley. And so I grew up in Christiansburg, Virginia, next door to Blacksburg. People know Blacksburg. They don't know I know, know Blacksburg. Town. Yeah, right. I don't but know. But my either. town, randomly, and all you see are like bigger cities, mid-sized cities on this map. My town's on the map. And we got the, the big font, too. And they're yeah. running it to my town. And so I'm stoked about it. Obviously, you know, we're going to get some rail infrastructure, maybe, by 2035. And apparently Amtrak wants the whole country to see my hometown. There we go. It's I wonder amazing. if they got Prattville, my hometown. Uh -uh, they didn't have it. No. I'm sorry, buddy. It's all good. I'm man. sorry. I can pull, I'll show you the map, though. No, no. I'd rather stop in Montgomery anyway. Well, that's no, okay. Really? Yeah. Mm. Well, anyway, yeah. No, so we, that, last time you and I talked, we were talking about just that. And boom, yeah. Amtrak's got a new vision for well, America. So... <sighs> I mean, good luck, I guess. Or is that where we're going? Is it going to be fast? Like, what is it going to be? No. Because I've taken a train. I, I took a train from New Orleans to Tuscaloosa I a think, couple times. It's like, it's almost the same way as, like, driving it, but it's just a different, like, role. I, I think we're, we're headed toward driverless cars. I think we're headed toward in the next, let's say, 30, 40 years. And I, I don't know what the timeline is that the experts are giving, but, like, I don't think we're that far away from driving becoming less common. Like well, I we heard Volkswagen, Volkswagen's starting to go more, uh, a lot more electric, right? Yeah, I think. Well, yes, electric definitely. See that that's been interesting too to watch some of these big car manufacturers start to roll out, you know, uh, um, electric vehicle models. We you know, need to be better about well, that like, because we can, we can. I drive an old ass truck. I'm not helping right now in that I drive a, a 24 year old, uh, eight cylinder, uh, 5.7 liter big ass truck. My my truck guzzles gas. Now I also have a, a two mile round trip commute every day. Right. And and I don't very many miles on it but the point being that i would drive an electric truck i would have no problem with that in fact i'd love to drive an electric truck mm -hmm. but they're not affordable for the regular person no you know, they're unless not. you want to pay you know I, I think tesla did talk about having a base model coming out somewhere around 35 forty thousand dollars an electric truck and if that were the case that'd be close for, that would be but like dude you some of these trucks nowadays cost a lot of money kyle well i mean 35 40 grand for a truck is still a lot of money but I'm talking about some of these new ones, some of these new Chevy trucks. Oh, dude, if you get some a truck, if you go get a, a, a truck with the bells and whistles or at least just sort of like a midline package, you're not getting off the lot for less than $45,000. It's crazy. If it's a new truck. Yeah. You're not getting off the I lot thought, for less than So I thought some of them may, may even cost like 60s. 60s? Well, no, yeah. Cool, yeah, a lot of them. Do. Hell, you can you can soup up a truck off the lot and it's 85 grand off the lot. Damn. You, I mean, you can, I think the Ford Raptors there, I, we sound like car dealership guys, but no, I, I would drive an electric truck. I just, you know, electric vehicles are that way, but also, you know, I think driverless cars, even though there've been some fairly notable accidents with those, I think pretty recently, mm -hmm. I think driving is going to become somewhat uncommon. We've already seen this, like uh, this youngest generation, a lot of them aren't, aren't getting their driver's my, licenses. My, my sister-in-law, she, man, she did not drive for a while. She, but she lives in San Diego Dude, as well. I couldn't wait to drive. I, me too, dude. I, I could wait not to wait drive. to get a license. 16 years old, the day of, 
I'm ready. I'm ready. And I pulled out. I'm waving to mom and dad. I'm going out to do something. I just ran to the gas station. Yeah, man. I was ready to get my driver's license, like, early. My only, you know, my dad always let us drive the car around the block after we washed the car. So, I learned I was behind the wheel, like, like 14. 14? Yeah. Just, like, you know, going around the block, coming right back. Okay. It was just, like, a couple curves. I had to have my license. But, like, I I think we're going to be – we're barreling toward a future where – Maybe, you know, that's if our, our infrastructure and technology ever actually get better. I saw today, actually, that I think the Biden administration is uh, I think it's a two point one trillion dollar infrastructure plan or package over like or eight years. Huh? I mean, I, I've been watching presidential you know, administrations promise infrastructure plans for, I don't know, most of my life. And it still seems like ours is way behind the rest of the world in a lot of places. So I, I don't know if I should be optimistic about this, but it's one of the things that has to change. Yeah, man. It's one. Of, it's like the housing market, right? We just all of it's being impacted by the fact that we have a lot of people in this country, mm-hmm. and a lot of people that are you know cramming into big cities. And right. I don't know if I've talked to you about this before, but like uh, demography, studying the demographics of people and the movement mm-hmm. of people, census. Like my wife did that a lot when she was still an economist. Nice. So my wife would go up to the Bureau of Labor Statistics every year in D.C. And you know, for her job, she would bring back. Um, uh, what am I trying to say here? oceanic and uh, marine uh, uh, community data. So she mostly dealt with coastal data, coastal communities, um, lobster, fishermen, uh, that sort of thing. So anyway, you know, you have this shift that's taken place toward the southeast over the last 25 years where people from up north, the Midwest, everybody moving to the southeast. And you also have something going on where people, and this is a global thing, people are flocking to big cities. Yeah. And, you know, in Africa, they have some of the largest metro populations in the world. China has cities, I think, of populations of uh, 21 million, 17 yeah. million. I mean, they have massive cities in China. They do. So everybody's cramming into cities, and the infrastructure can't handle it. And yeah. that's the case here in Charlotte. You know, we have so much happening here in Charlotte. Buildings going up, people moving in. Uh, it seems like a new restaurant or two opens every day. But the infrastructure can't handle it. That's why there's constant construction, constant detours, constant you know, road traffic for reasons that don't make any sense. And, and, you know, how do you handle that? How do you get people around more efficiently in a way that, you know, A, doesn't hurt the environment, uh, right. B, isn't economically uh, unequal, and, you know, C, is something that you can afford and people agree on. Right. And it's not easy to do. But in Charlotte, they're finally running a light rail to the airport. Yeah, which I is think an Charlotte's enormous- done a really good job, man, trying to keep up and trying to understand what's going on here yeah. um, as this city continues to grow. I. I, I think my wife and I got here right around the right time. So um, it's been very interesting to see these cities and the, the housing market the way it is right now, especially in Charlotte. It's, right, like the housing I mean, market. You can't even keep a house on the market. And, and it's like, that way, and apparently, you know, most major cities. And, and I didn't, I'm not a real estate agent, so I didn't know that. But what I found out is that The big thing is that it's a seller's market right now. Oh, did you see the, the article in the, uh, the Observer two weeks ago? about the Charlotte real estate market. And again, it's the same in a lot of places, but apparently for a balanced real estate market, uh, there needs to be six months of housing inventory on hand at any given moment. Charlotte was down to 18 days and may actually be down even lower than that at this point. There was a a picture of an open house somewhere in Charlotte with a line of 25 people out the door waiting to, to look at the house. And it's like that in Seattle. It's like that in Dallas. It's like that in uh, Portland, Maine, where I've got a brother-in-law moving his family up to. Can't find a house. So it, you, we, not only is there a housing crisis in places like Charlotte and other cities, it, it's a national thing. People can't afford a home. There, there's not enough supply for people to buy. It was low interest rates. Prices too. are outrageous. The median income home price here in Charlotte's uh, basically three hundred thousand dollars. Man, 
I, I mean, I know this is a convoluted subject, and I don't have any answers for it, but it's a problem. <laughs> it's a really it damn big problem. I, I just hope they um, – I hope Charlotte doesn't pass that, uh, that one law that's like single-family – homes over here right i don't want that so then because then stuff will start popping up everywhere well you also have like the bureaucracy of big cities that causes issues with trying to get things done like not to tell you know your trade secrets but i know you've had some issues trying to get permits for simple things that uh, are are outrageous you know I, I i my house is next door to. i, I think it's because the neighborhood i live in more than well yeah that might be the, it. The, the more that than might, the, more than the that city. might be it but like I, I got a house next door to a church that told me that the, the city wanted something I mean, thousands of dollars just to get the permits to think about spending even more thousands of dollars to cut down trees like yes yeah. that's, that's that's where cities are right now that's what they do man when they can tax you they're gonna tax you that is the true. only thing is i just want you to answer our question like where's my tax money going well, and that's the biggest question that's the only dilemma that's why it's people going get... to the supreme court uh, talking to the ncaa that's where we got to hit this because i i went our, i think i posted a video before the podcast yeah of you swinging a golf club I, i've known you for a while now you swing <laughs> are you completely left-handed no, I'm you swing a golf I'm, club left. I swing a golf club left handed. How about so, that? So, according to my parents, I, I think I was when I was little, I was left handed. Then my dad started making me use my right hand all the time. So then I just grew up right handed. But when I'd swing or do all these other things, like it feels natural left handed. Like if I do it right handed, it just feels awkward. The same way you would probably. Yeah. Like yeah. going on the other side, it just feels awkward. And I don't know what the answer is for me or what it is. No, no, no. But I, my swing doesn't look broken. I just need to play a lot more golf so and I, I need to I, be I taught. I swing right-handed, but I, I shoot a gun left-handed. Uh, I use p some power tools left-handed. You know, I, I do a lot of things left-handed, even though I'm an actual – I, I what, throw right, I swing right. So what, what hand is this when I shoot? Shoot right-handed. What do you mean? Like the way I'm holding a gun right now. Oh, no, you shoot left-handed then. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. what I do. So okay, you, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so you but you throw right-handed. Well, yes, I throw right-handed. Yeah, yes. that's crazy. <laughs> I do. I'm the I think way. it's because I, it's the eye dominant too. I don't. Uh, yes, it is part of that. I was I wondering think about it's that. Also, too. I mean, like I'm fairly ambidextrous. Me too. I am pretty ambidextrous. I think that's a big deal. As a I'm part very of it ambidextrous too. actually. All right, cool. Well, look, there. I was. I had a few more. That things was written. it. My I, bad. That was it. Yeah, I mean that's why I golf left-handed. <laughs> All right, I had a few more things written down, but we got to run because I got Hornets tonight, man. Um. This, uh, hey man, how do that's on the TV, baby. I don't know if they're big time. Be, how do you beat the Nets? I mean, tonight they can beat him because there's no KD and no James Harden. But when that team's together, oh, I'm trying to. I'm about to put a, a, a thousand on Brooklyn to win it all. A thousand? Yeah, for sure to win it all. Yeah, yeah. but is the, what's the payout? I don't know. Well, I mean, it'll be better odds now than ever. That is true. They, they, they probably have. The, I'll check. I think they have the best odds. To win <laughs> I was the like, title. bro, it ain't gonna get. Is you're not gonna get better odds in two weeks when everybody's back. Fair point. All right, so uh, we'll be back for the. Uh, I don't know. Next week, I guess we're gonna get Brendan Motley back in here. Yeah, uh, man, we got, we got some cool get stuff planned. Uh, really cool stuff. We got some whitetail smokeless giveaways coming up because uh, Darty mid mid radio segment today. Darty brings up the whitetail again. I got to dip a whitetail in while I'm doing the radio show because I always do. So we got some uh, whitetail giveaways coming up. Shout out to uh, the, the whitetail folks. They're just killing it. And uh, yeah, we got good stuff coming up, buddy. All right, man. Be good, man. Take care of that wife and that baby. Sounds good. I'll talk to uh, everybody next time. For Roman Harper, I'm Kyle Bailey. Work hard. Be nice to people.